Hey everyone, welcome to a surprise bonus episode of Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today I'm bringing you a review of a series that I did last year, around the same time as I released the original handful of episodes that I'm releasing now. Because of the way I recorded and edited this review last year, I figured it'd be easier to record a quick intro here, and then just jump right into the episode as it was released last year. So, I'll still be mentioning the original title of the series and talk about iHeartMovies, but you know where you are. Okay, let's just get into this bonus episode of Every Version Ever, previously an episode of the Secret Garden series on iHeartMovies. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Secret Garden series on iHeartMovies. My name is Jonathan North, and today I'm alone. I'm bringing you an episode about a series that I decided I wouldn't bother trying to find a co-host for because I kind of figured nobody else is going to be committed enough to watch over 40 episodes of an obscure YouTube series and then talk about it for 20 to 30 minutes. Most of the episodes of the Secret Garden series I've been doing with my cousin Sarah, and I'd originally thought about asking her if she'd be interested in doing this one with me, but once I got into it, actually I hadn't even finished episode one, and I realized there was going to be way too much adult language for her, so I didn't even bother asking her. Anyway, I suppose I should actually explain what this series even is. This adaptation of The Secret Garden is actually a web series from 2015 called The Misselthwaite Archives, and as a concept, it has some promise. If you're familiar with the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, this is like that, but The Secret Garden instead of Pride and Prejudice. Basically, it's the story of The Secret Garden, but updated for a modern audience and told through a series of vlogs from Mary Lennox. The acting here is... fine. Usually better than average, though sometimes awkward and wooden. I suppose it's about on par with normal YouTube productions. Not horrible, but they're probably not going to book many big movies if they use this as their acting reel. I suppose before I get into this, I should go through all the different translations that they made between the book and the series. First off is Mary herself. She's not British. Nobody is. The series takes place in America, specifically Oregon. I guess the character is similar to the book version, except she's a moody, rebellious teenager instead of a surly ten-year-old. In this series, Mistlethwaite is not a manor, it's a town and a creek near Mary's new home, and the secret garden is actually a glade in the woods by the creek. Mary's uncle is Art Craven, he travels a lot for work. His tragic backstory is still mostly the same except for the timeline, and his son is now his daughter, Callie, not Colin. Which I don't mind, this thing is basically fanfiction, and I usually like gender-swapped reimagining, so I didn't have an issue with this change. The difference in the timeline is that his wife died when Callie was old enough to remember her, and also she now thinks it was her fault for not saving her. Though she was a little girl, so I really don't know what she thinks she could have done. Callie is similar to Colin, but updated for modern times, just weirdly. Callie is basically agoraphobic and obsessed with video games. And she also has real illnesses, specifically diabetes and asthma, plus she gets panic attacks. She's locked away in the basement, but it's by her own choice. Like, she knew Mary was coming, and she didn't want her to know she was there, and everybody just went along with it for some reason. <laughs> it just seemed really baffling to me. And you'd think this would be the biggest change, but somehow, at least to me, it gets weirder when we get to Mrs. Medlock. This version of Medlock is actually Mr. Craven's sister, Callie's aunt. I guess this makes more sense for someone who isn't insanely wealthy to have a housekeeper in modern times, especially since Callie would need someone to live with her while her father is away traveling all the time, and a family member does make the most sense. I guess, <laughs> I guess this change does make sense for the story, so I don't really have a problem with it. I just found it so strange to have Mr. Craven and Mrs. Medlock be siblings. 
since there's no official secret garden, just this secret glade in the woods, and Art Craven doesn't have an estate to care for, there's no Ben Weatherstaff counterpart. But there is a Robin, except it's a cat named Robin. I guess that's fine. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add here. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Martha is reimagined as Mary's tutor, Phoebe. And I didn't even realize that this character was supposed to be the Martha stand-in until she mentioned her brother, Declan, in one episode. Declan, Dickon. And once he shows up to help Mary, the pieces kind of fell into place. I have no idea why Martha became Phoebe, but as far as Dickon goes, I can only assume that Dickon sounded too British and Declan sounds more like a cool, hip, young person name. Except Declan is not portrayed as cool and hip at all, so... Whatever. <laughs> anyway, as you might have gathered, I have had a few issues with this series, so I think we'll get them out of the way first. It's not devoid of positives, but there are definitely fewer of them, so I'll save them for the end. The biggest problems with this series have more to do with the execution of the concept than the actual concept itself. Like... For the most part, these vlogs do not feel like vlogs at all. Most of them are long, very obviously scripted monologues. And these monologues may not be out of place if this was like a stage production, but they just feel so completely unnatural when they're supposed to be off-the-cuff video diary entries. Like I mentioned before with the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, there have been other similar productions where the main character of a classic novel is reimagined as a vlogger or something, like they've just come up with a reason for the character to be making YouTube videos. The Lizzie Bennet Diaries wasn't perfect, but to me, from the ones I've seen, it was probably the best execution of the concept. Anything else that followed just kind of seems like a pale imitation, and eventually, they always seem to resort to all sorts of contrived reasons that the camera is on during pivotal plot points and things. And this one is no exception. In the Misslethwaite archives, their version of this is that Mary is sending video diaries to her therapist. There was this prologue video at the beginning of the series that I assume was set before her parents died that set up that she was a troubled youth going to therapy. The therapist suggested family counseling at the end, and that was the end of that. The video really served no purpose other than to set up that Mary was in therapy. However, as that is the overall premise of the series, that this is supposed to be a series of video diaries for her therapist, then I have to ask what is up with all the videos that show what's happening that Mary is not filming? Like, she's obviously not filming them. Like episode 2 where Mrs. Medlock catches Mary smoking outside because, ooh, so rebellious, so edgy. Smoking, so hashtag relatable to today's youths. The camera is set up to film this scene of her being caught smoking, but why? This isn't a movie, there's no narrative reason that Mary would have set up her camera to film herself smoking. So why is this a video that's seemingly included as part of her video diary series to her therapist? There are other episodes recorded from the point of view of the cat, too. Like Mary's cleaning up the garden while the camera is wandering around meowing. And obviously the video here is just what the cat is seeing, unless she's strapped a GoPro onto his head or something. Which, with all the other choices this series made, that would almost seem somewhat normal. But then, like, the first time this happens, it gets weird when she sits down and has this whole plot expositional monologue to the cat. Like, she's working through things, and everything she's saying should have been something that her therapist received. But unless that GoPro scenario is real, this wasn't a video, this is just her talking to the cat. 
But at the same time, this is advancing the plot for future episodes. And without this episode, there would be just an obvious gap here, because during her whole monologue thing, she decides to invite Declan to join her. Without this episode, he would just show up at the garden for no reason. Other than the weird video circumstances, the show's biggest flaw is that it tries way, way too hard to be edgy. Like, we get it. Teens swear. But the way the swear words are used in this production feels like a pastor's kid rebelling for the first time and seeing how much he can get away with. It's even worse when they lampshade it by having Mrs. Medlock tell her to stop swearing and saying she has a mouth on her, but then Mrs. Medlock swears too. This all seems so much worse when the script is seemingly being written for a much younger audience. Like, the way Mary sometimes talks to the camera and pretends to be various characters really seems like something that would happen on any PBS kids show. It's a bit cheesy, but there's nothing inherently wrong with it, and it works for the series. And if this was for kids, then who cares? It can be a little cheesy. But then in the next scene, she's like swearing and smoking, and the tonal whiplash between these two choices is just ridiculous. The writers needed to pick an audience and stick to it instead of really trying to have it both ways. And it's painfully obvious that they're adding in the non-child-friendly content to make the story seem more hip and edgy to today's youths. But to me, every time they drop a new swear word, it just reeks of, how do you do, fellow kids? One of the worst offenders was her discovery of the secret glade, where she's chasing the cat and swearing at it, and then she finds the glade and just says, holy bleep. And I don't say any of this because I'm deeply offended and clutching my pearls in anguish over the pain that these words have caused my sensitive ears. No, I know people in the real world swear, and I don't care. I'm not easily offended. However, the way in which the profanity was used just really seems to bring this whole production down. In addition to making it not suitable for children, like I said, it just sounds forced and awkward and just did not fit in this story at all. Okay, now that I've gotten the cons out of the way, let's get to the pros. One thing I actually do like about this series is the focus on ecology, at least for a bit of it. I would have liked there to be a bit more focus on Mary learning about nature, but I like that they use that as sort of a modern twist when Mary finds the glade. Like, when she first finds it, it's littered with trash, and she makes it her mission to clean up the area. Then she starts asking questions about the environment, which is when Phoebe introduces her to Declan, and he starts teaching her more about nature and the plants of the area. And by the end of the series, she's actually thinking about majoring in ecology, so I really like how they tied all that together. Another thing I think I liked, although I was initially annoyed by it, is Mary's relationship with Callie. They kind of swing back and forth from being best friends to halfway hating each other a bit too much, and because the acting was occasionally a bit wooden, I think I was too focused on how unnatural it felt. But then when I really thought about it, I realized that until they really began to trust each other and become actual friends, in the book, Mary and Colin had a bit of a grating relationship too, even to the point where their discussion sometimes broke down into screaming matches. So while parts of their relationship did feel a bit forced here, I ended up really appreciating the attention to that part of the dynamic from the book. I will say, as much as I rolled my eyes through a lot of the first half, and even some of the second, once we got past the point of all the fighting and petty drama, the series did significantly improve toward the end. The wooden acting was mostly gone, everything felt mostly natural, and the only thing that regularly pulled me out of the story was trying to reconcile the random videos with the therapy vlogs. That part still made no sense, but at this point I think I'm probably nitpicking. 
In the end, this series was a mixed bag. I can't say I completely recommend it, especially if you're looking for a faithful adaptation of The Secret Garden. But if you don't mind a version that takes liberties and is by no means a big-budget Hollywood production, maybe check this one out. It does have a ton of great ingredients, and with some script tweaks, I think it really could have been an inspired, touching take on the story. In minor ways it was, but not enough that I was able to fully enjoy it. Most of it. I will say I did enjoy the last handful of episodes, and I was almost sad it was over, but at the same time I was ready to move on and get this episode done. <laughs> so, those are my thoughts on the Misselthwaite archives. Have you seen this version? I'd be really interested to hear what anyone else thinks of it, if you've actually seen it. I'm going to assume that this is the most obscure version I'll be reviewing. Like, most of the episodes hadn't even reached 10,000 views on YouTube. Like, I think the last few were like in the 5,000 sum, so I would be surprised if I hear from anyone who's actually seen it. Okay, so that's going to be all for this bonus episode of Every Version Ever. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program on Friday, where my friend Mark Brown will be joining me to talk about the 1994 animated version. You're not going to want to miss that, so we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever. Thanks for listening. <laughs>